Possibly falling on deaf ears, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The podcast whose magic eight ball always says, ask again later. He often contemplates the sound of one hand clapping, it's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. I'm your Medicare expert. And some people say don't use the word expert. So I'll say I'm your Medicare specialist, Doug Jones, and I'm here to help pump you up when it comes to Medicare. Um, The primary method I do that is with my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. If you go to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com, for that matter, you're going to find the 2022 edition on sale waiting for you to snatch it right up. If you go to Amazon, you'll get your choice of four editions. That would be a hardcover, a paperback, a Kindle or ebook version, and a an Audible version. If you go to BarnesandNoble.com, uh, then you have the paperback, but it's it's a very nice book anyway. It is the most popular of the four editions. So if you go to Amazon and buy a paperback, the only difference you're going to find is it's $1 cheaper at Amazon, and it has black and white illustrations. If you buy the uh, hardcover book, it's $17, but this is suitable for holiday gifting. I believe that your relatives would be uh, would find that to be a very welcome addition to their Christmas booty. Uh, and in fact, I have to say that the 2023 edition of the Medicare for the Lazy Man is under construction right now. And I'm hoping that that's going to be a uh, an available for Christmas uh, gifting, but it's hard to predict because it's really not a process that I can control. All I can do is uh, throw it into the mill, turn the crank, and hope that it comes out in a timely fashion. So I'll keep you posted on the availability of the 2023 edition. And we have with us today, we're excited uh, to uh, announce the uh uh, involvement of Randy Carson, podcast engineer and software engineer par excellence as part of our Medicare for the Lazy Man team. Good morning, Randy. How the heck are you? Good morning, Mr. Jones. I'm good. I'm really good today because I woke up. It's bright and sunny. The only complaint I've got is it's Arizona freezing. Yeah, it is. It could be a little warmer here, couldn't it? Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you how cold it is, and most of the people listening to this podcast are going to shake their head and think I'm nuts, but it's only 63 degrees. I had to get up and actually consider putting a jacket on when I went outside to take the pups out. Well, I can hear the uh, volume knobs being snapped off right now all <laughs> over the northern part of the United States because, frankly, 63 degrees is like nirvana. It's like a tropical paradise to people where you and I came from. So I know I'm, it's so the the ex, the probably the real answer for that is: Do you want a little cheese with that wine? Yeah, exactly. What'd you make for dinner? Uh, no, what did what would you like to for dinner? Wine. Ah, there is another joke there. It's a Jewish-American princess joke. What did she have? 
What kind of wine does she like? I want to go to Miami. Take me to Miami. That's the the Jewish American princess's famous uh, favorite wine. So anyway, you and I got started on something before the podcast uh, recording began about something. And I said, this is a story that's too good for me to tell just one person. I have to share it with the world. Um, and so it's about my military uh, physical the pre-induction physical. I got my draft notice because I screwed up in school and I lost my student deferment for a semester or two. And um, so I immediately was uh, re-registered as 1A and I got my uh, notice to appear for my pre-induction physical. And uh, I was, you know, assigned to go downtown to Chicago on a given day and I was supposed to appear at this uh, big warehouse in Chicago on an early, you know, on one morning, uh, some weekday, I guess. And uh, I was talking about it to a, a bunch of friends and another friend said, oh, hey, I have to show up on the same day. So he and I got together at the train station in Geneva, Illinois, and rode an early commuter train downtown to Chicago and got a taxi from the train station to this giant warehouse this induction center and uh, there were about 10 million other young guys our age i'm thinking age 18 or 19 age 19 probably and so uh, this guy's name was seamus carney and you'd never know it by talking to him but he was actually born in ireland and uh, his family moved him to the united states as a young boy and so he sounded just like all the rest of us but uh, the difference was that seamus carney was probably six feet six inches tall uh, and weighed about 130 pounds so uh, he was a a a tall drink of water that did not in fact i outweighed him i was probably 145 pounds at that time five foot ten and uh, i think i probably had a couple of pounds on him if if uh, not identical weight so seamus most of us didn't want to go because we weren't able to write our own tickets you know and i later on figured out what i should have done to make sure that uh, my i had some control over my future but right now all we were thinking about was getting through the the uh, draft physical Seamus had a big giant file of copied photocopied paper under his arm and it was his medical records and he wanted to find somebody with authority to read his file to go through his medical records and declare him 1f and uh you know Seamus being six foot six weighing uh, you know measly 135 pounds or whatever he apparently had more stuff wrong with him than I would have known because this file was pretty thick, but he and I went through all the stations. We went to the vision station. We went to the, all the other places. They kind of tested our ability to do mathematics and, and um, tested us for color blindness and blah, blah, blah. And he and I were side by side all the way through this thing. And uh, eventually we got to the point where they line up about 30 or 40 of us in our skivvies and they have about five or six doctors. Each one has a specialty. You had the heart doctor that goes along and listens to your heart. And uh, you have the, um, uh, throat doctor he grabs your throat and feels to see if there's any weird shape in your throat or something and you got a um uh turn your head and cough doctor and then you've got a uh, foot doctor and he walks along the line and he looks at everybody's feet and i think back then they were looking for flat feet or whatever but so uh the uh, all the doctors go down the line and they're performing their various specialties and uh the foot doctor came along and he looked at the guy to my left and then he looked at my feet 
And then he looked at Seamus's feet. And then he looked at the feet of the guy on the other side of Seamus. And then he came back and said, whoa. And he looked at Seamus's feet again. Seamus Carney had about size 15 clodhoppers that were the ugliest, boniest, misshapen feet I've ever seen in my life. And this doctor was fascinated by looking at him. So fascinated that he called all the other doctors over and they were all standing around marveling at Seamus's feet. I looked at Seamus to see if he was disturbed by this. And he basically just had this big old grin on his face. He was saying, ah, here's my ticket out of Vietnam. And uh, they said, Hey kid, go stand against the wall. So they made him go stand next to a desk and the desk had a wastebasket. And he just, I remember him just dropping his file that he had been carrying around with him all day, drop it into the wastebasket. And that he was finished. So after I got home, I said, you know, I should have my record sent to the draft board. Maybe they'll find something they don't like about me and I can finish college and then go into officer's candidate school. And so uh, by golly, that's what happened. I had my doctor send all my medical records. I took a page from Seamus's book and um, had him send all my medical records to the draft board. And they found that I used a prescription nose drop product after the age of 13. And I guess they didn't want guys sneezing in the jungle and stuff. So they, they said, okay, you're one Y, which means we'll take your grandmother before we take you. And uh, that would have allowed me to go into OCS uh, upon enlistment because I would have finished college. But uh, the war ended, so they didn't need me anymore. Plus, the draft ended, and uh, I had a baby and a wife by the time I graduated from college. And so I thought my service was probably superfluous at that point. But anyway, Seamus, this was all brought to mind because Seamus Carney died of a brain tumor uh, a couple of years ago. And so I wrote up that story so that his uh, children and his uh, widow could enjoy it at their uh, post-funeral dinner. And they wrote back and said that they did enjoy hearing it very much. Mm. So anyway, Randy just fell asleep. I'm going to have to wake him up to close off the episode after we finish this. But uh, in the meantime, we've got, you know, Randy tells people that I enjoy correspondence, and I really do. And I've got an article here that was sent to us by two of my favorite uh, clients and listeners, uh, Jules sent this in on November 15th and Steve sent it in the following day. They both realized that I would probably find this article interesting and I'm hoping that you find it interesting too. And I really haven't read every word in it. Sometimes it's good to go into these things uh, cold and be surprised at the outcome. So the headline on this article is replace the failure of Medicare advantage with uh, quote Medicare part F unquote. So the headline is Replace the Failure of Medicare Advantage with Medicare Part F. It goes on to say, Medicare Advantage began life as a brilliant idea, a public-private partnership to keep older people healthier and to reduce costs. At the time, in 1992, both President George H.W. Bush and his challenger Bill Clinton supported it. An editorial in the New York Times declared the debate over health care reform is over. Managed competition has won. What finally emerged in 1997, Medicare Choice, now known as Medicare Advantage, was hailed as a win-win-win for patients, providers, and payers. 25 years later, a different consensus is clear. Medicare Advantage is a failure for seniors who receive worse care than they do under traditional Medicare. 
It's a failure for doctors who must negotiate costly and dangerous prior authorizations for their patients. And it's a failure for the federal government, which spends more per capita on Medicare Advantage than on traditional Medicare. Further, eight of the 10 largest insurance companies offering Medicare Advantage plans are currently defendants in a False Claims Act lawsuit brought by the whistleblowers of the Department of Justice. But it's been a winner for employers, unions, and states that have pension and health care obligations for their retirees. They push hard to get people off traditional Medicare and onto Medicare Advantage plans. That is because retiree benefits often include supplemental or Medigap policies that former employers pay for. Uh, Medigap is also Medicare supplement. That is the only kind of Medicare plan that I uh, recommend to my clients. So anyway, uh, the retirement retiree benefits often include supplemental or Medigap policies that former employers pay for, while Medicare Advantage plans are almost entirely paid for by the federal government. Medicare Advantage plans are also winners for the private insurance companies that offer and administer them. Their gross margins are typically two to three times greater than with other insurance plans. Let's see now. I this My printer belched when it was printing this. Prepaid Medicare Advantage quality ratings plunge as, I don't know where that came from. Medicare is simple in theory, but mind-bogglingly complex in practice. Part A covers hospital care and Part B covers doctors. In each part, Medicare pays only about 80% of the bills. That's a real simplification. I'm not sure that's entirely accurate, but let's go with it. The remaining 20% is paid for either by the individual or by supplemental insurance. All of Part A is funded by the federal government, as is most of Part B, except for a sliding scale contribution of up to about $166 per month based on an individual's income. Okay, that could have been worded more eloquently and accurately. Uh, So Medicare Advantage, almost entirely paid for by the federal government, includes Parts A, Part B, sometimes Part D, which covers prescription drugs. Ordinarily, Part D plans must be bought in the open market. Are you confused? Most people are. Few seniors, few decrepit old people, let's say. Let's not use the word senior. Let's call them uh, decrepit oldsters a uh, few of them understand the difference and supplemental uh, the difference between supplements and advantage plans or can figure out which drugs are paid for under part d or when that part kicks in to make matters worth they are inundated with often misleading mailers and tv commercials with aging but familiar pitch men like joe namath jimmy walker william shatner and now add william devane uh, urging them to sign up for low-cost, all-inclusive Medicare Advantage plans. As a result, nearly 50% of Medicare-eligible seniors are enrolled in Advantage plans. How did such a promising idea grow so large and then go off the rails? Enamored with the 1990s promise of managed care and prompted by then-First Lady Hillary Clinton's health care task force, a novel idea emerged. Take the money the federal government was spending on Parts A and B, which is about $1,000 per person per month, and give it to private insurance companies. The insurance companies would be responsible for covering all 
hospital and doctor bills and could charge people additional modest premiums for certain benefits such as lower deductibles or eye care or more robust drug formularies. And if they kept people healthy and out of the hospital, they would make more money. Medicare Advantage was born from the belief that the market would serve the varying needs of individuals and spur innovation that would help lead uh, to smarter lifestyle choices, more preventive care, and better health outcomes. But that was all based on two assumptions. First of all, the private sector would do what it does best, at least in theory, innovate. Second, insurers would be able to successfully persuade seniors to eat better, lose weight, exercise, get regular checkups in order to lead healthier and less costly lives. Oh, here's that same screwy thing that I found on the last page. Anyway, the concept was great, according to this article, but it was a disaster in practice. Habits of a lifetime are difficult to change, so insurance companies found an easier way to make money. They began denying medical services. To do this, they aggressively adopted prior authorization and utilization review practices. These protocols require a doctor to secure an insurer's approval and that a test, treatment, or medication is medically necessary before the doctor can administer it to the patient. In essence, the insurance company is not controlling payment, but second-guessing the doctor's professional judgment from afar. Disguised as perfectly reasonable tools to root out waste and fraud, prior authorization and utilization review allow insurers to insert themselves between the doctors and the patients to decide what is medically necessary, often with deadly results. Prior authorization protocols create real health risks for seniors. Diagnostic tests and medical procedures are often delayed and occasionally denied. These dangers were underscored in a report issued in April of 2022 by the Inspector General of the Department of HHS, Health and Human Services. This report showed that one in 10 treatments that had been denied and one in five denied payments would have been covered by traditional Medicare. In short, insurers were simply not following Medicare guidelines for care. The report also showed that fully 75% of all medical services that were denied prior uh, authorization were overturned upon appeal, resulting in unnecessary and dangerous delays in patients getting care. For all of this, Medicare Advantage plans haven't saved the federal government any money. Although some 48% of eligible seniors are enrolled in Medicare Advantage plans, the insurance companies offering them are gobbling up 55% of total Medicare spending. Time for a new approach, it says. In my work as an attorney, uh-oh, I recently represented two groups of retirees in Delaware and New York City against their former employers. The state and the city were each trying to force these seniors and disabled first responders out of traditional Medicare and into Medicare Advantage plans. The reason was simple, money. As part of their retirement benefits, the former municipal workers were entitled to supplemental insurance paid for by their former employers. In New York City, for example, that meant the city was spending nearly $600 million a year for a plan that covered nearly 250,000 retired teachers, police officers, firefighters, nurses, and others. By shifting them to a Medicare Advantage, uh, by shifting them to Medicare Advantage, 
that expense would disappear because the tab would be picked up by the federal budget. In both cases, the seniors won in court. Now the battle is shifting to the political realm. New York City is trying to repeal the law that guaranteed retirees health insurance. The lure of federal money is simply too tempting, even if the health care the replacement programs would provide is demonstrably worse. The single factor, the lure of federal money, is both the problem and the potential solution. As long as the federal government is willing to pick up the tab for Medicare Advantage, but not for other more promising options, states, cities, companies, and unions that have retiree pension and health care obligations will chase that money. The solution is an alternative Medicare plan that allows former employers to tap federal funds, but doesn't suffer from the structural flaws that Medicare Advantage, uh, that led Medicare Advantage astray. I propose a new plan. This is the author talking, not Doug. I propose a new plan called Part F for medication, no, Medicare future. It relies on the federal funds that are being used for Medicare Advantage plans, but prohibits insurance companies from imposing prior authorization or utilization review hurdles. Compared to the current system, Part F is simple. It would cover all medical expenses, including Part D for prescription drugs, but it would not allow insurance companies to impose hurdles like prior authorization. And as with current Medicare Advantage plans, the federal government would pay a set capitated amount to insurance companies, which would design different configurations of plans to meet people's varying needs and then market and operate them. In practice, Part F would operate much like the current supplemental Medigap approach, which works incredibly well but it would be paid for by the federal government instead of by former employers or individuals. The government would control fraud the way it does with traditional medicine or Medicare by approaching, excuse me, by approving claims up front and then auditing them to uncover provider abuses. Part F would give insurance companies a modest guaranteed profit margin and incentive structure based on better health outcomes Unable to deny services through prior authorization, insurance companies would need to actually innovate to boost profits. Part F would also offer insurance companies huge incentives that they have longed for, permission to market their plans nationally, not just state by state. Part F is a way to give insurance companies one more chance to prove that they can innovate and add real value to the healthcare system. Private companies have done a lot to revolutionize other sectors of life and the economy. Uh, Think about Amazon in e-commerce and Netflix in entertainment. It could happen in healthcare as well if the incentives and the consequences are correct. But if the insurance industry can't or won't add real value, uh, the forces for single-payer healthcare may push a recalcitrant industry into its own blockbuster corner. Does a Medicare future approach have any uh, chance in the current political or bureaucratically entrenched environment? Surprisingly, it does. It was very a very liberal friend who convinced me that private insurance companies need to be part of the mix for any future reform, and it was a conservative friend who reminded me that Republicans still have not proposed any viable alternative to the Affordable Care Act. More important, the mechanism for testing Part F 
plans already exists, and that is the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services has an innovative center or an innovation center looking for new public-private insurance initiatives. The shortcomings of the current Medicare system must be addressed ASAP. A good place to start is recognizing what hasn't worked and why in order to develop a revamped system of medical care that both effectively and economically serves a growing senior population. This guy's name is Steve Cohen. He's obviously an attorney, and uh, he is uh, uh, an attorney at the Pollock Cohen. Oh, that's his law firm's name, litigation-oriented. Oh, good. A trial lawyer. Well, it's interesting to see other people's opinions, and I'm not squashing this opinion, but um, and it's certainly uh, we do need something to fix Medicare Advantage plans, wouldn't you say, Randy? I, I see the vitriol growing on your face now. Just I, uh, hear, hearing I, I the had, term, it, it took me a couple seconds to just digest all that because, you know, the thing that keeps popping into my head during that. What's that? If it sounds too good to be true, yeah. Oh, by golly, it probably is. And I'm a little suspicious of a trial attorney because those guys tend to be on the other side of the aisle from me. Uh, they like laws. They like litigation. They earn money from you know uh, confusion and strife, and uh, therefore yeah. I'm skeptical that this is a good solution. But it's an interesting that people are starting to think about the fact that Medicare Advantage plans are not working to our advantage, and they are disadvantageous in many cases and uh, should be addressed. Well, I, I agree. I totally agree that, you know, it, anytime you start shining some light on, on a topic that really people would like to ignore, that's not working well, that people are, you know, there's basically game in the system, you know, yeah. like you said in, uh, in an earlier podcast, you know, that they, uh, the people that uh, are responsible for the Medicare Advantage plans, i.e. the Medicare Advantage salespeople, they are encouraged to go out and find sick people. Okay. Yeah. If they can get if they can get somebody to fill out a questionnaire that includes you know some sort of indication that they're sicker than average, uh, that encourages the people to go ahead and provide more money and more money and more money from the government because oh by golly the people in Arizona in this particular little area or whatever whatever area you're talking about they're sicker than average so we need more money and absolutely that, you know that's that's really kind of like what do they used to call those in the old west bounty hunters oh yeah, yeah. bounty hunters yeah yeah but I, I here's the thing Here's what happened in the old West bounty hunter comes in with the uh, suspect, the person who's uh, been arrested for a crime. And uh, what happened, uh, what happens in the insurance companies today is they'll take that suspect, throw him in a cell. And the next day they're going to be like 10 of him in there. And uh, because they have photocopy machines that will duplicate so that they can go to the federal government and say, look at all of this sickness that we have to treat, give us even more money. Uh, it's fraudulent activity in many cases. And I think even the New York times is saying these guys are, uh, just raping the federal budget by, um, making up by, uh, phonying up medical records on a lot of non-existent people so that the uh, government will have to fork over more dough. At least a bounty hunter would Boy. drag in, drag in a, a crook and, you know, throw him in jail. And there, there was the evidence right there. So, yep. 
Absolutely. So I, you know, I'd like to think that somebody's waking up and they're they're going to make some, you know, some positive changes in this type of situation. But I've got to tell you, Doug, I'm I'm a major skeptic, and anything that has anything to do with the government, I'm uh, kind of. Oh, yeah. I'm a skeptic. <laughs> yep. I'm right there with you. The government solutions are rarely ever effective for the long haul. Um, and you and I have discussed this a few times in the past, too. Many of the most ardent anti-Medicare Advantage soldiers are people from the socialistic side of the uh, political spectrum. And they are not people that we have anything in common with politically. But yet they hate uh, individual freedom. They hate in they hate uh, uh, free enterprise, and so that's the ground upon which they stand to fight uh, the Medicare Advantage plan. I'd rather fight them on the fact that the customers are ill served and likely to be very disappointed and perhaps maltreated by this. Uh, this article is correct to point out uh, uh, prior authorization being denied when uh, some doctor says hey we we need to fix this patient of mine the insurance company prevents the doctor from doing that until uh, the authorization review part happens and uh, if the insurance company the bean counters deny treatment then the uh, poor patient is stuck so that's well, like of- i've always like i've always said doug i, I really want you know, some fresh college graduate working for the Medicare Advantage, uh, you know, industry to be deciding upon my health care based on some some numbers on a sheet. Yeah, well, this is why you have a Medicare supplement plan. Uh, I do. Your, your wife helpfully uh, chose for you, and uh, you will not ever have that problem so long as you pay your premium. All you have to do is just pay your premium when it's due. Absolutely. And I believe me, if it wasn't for that particular supplement plan as you know i i would be in a little bit different situation based on my long long visit to the hospital yeah the the hospital the place where they kept asking you where you were and you where kept saying, where, I have no where idea. are you i have <laughs> no idea and eventually i was smart enough to look up my my location on gps with my phone that was the you passed the test right there. If you were able to figure out how to use your GPS, then you were uh, almost ready to go home. Whereas I, when I had my COVID uh, injection, my first uh, uh, dose of the uh, the uh, vaccine, I was so confused I couldn't even figure out how to send an email with an attached file properly. I sat there all night staring at my laptop and wondering what the heck I was trying to do. Well, there's one more bit of information I want to repeat to the folks that uh, Doug had mentioned several weeks ago in the podcast. Mayo Clinic, guess what they announced? Effective 2023. Oh, ooh. Yeah. tell us, tell us. They are not going to touch anybody with a medic with a uh, Medicare Advantage plan with a 10 foot pole. They don't have a pole long enough to want to uh, accept any of those. Medicare Advantage plans for payment. I, you know what I really wish though. I um, verified that with the Mayo Clinic so that we wouldn't be passing out misinformation. And then I said, "There's one type of Medicare Advantage plan that I can get behind, and it is the Medicare MSA plan. It's called Medicare Advantage, but it has all the freedom of choice that a Medicare supplement plan has." And this spokesman for the Mayo Clinic said, "Yep, if it says Medicare Advantage in the name." then we're not taking it. 
So I believe that's a mistake because this plan allows for um, payment just as though the person was covered by Medicare itself. Uh, so I think it's a mistake that the Mayo Clinic would turn down, you know, would would um, include that with uh, what's the expression? Uh, all the well, I was going to say the sheep is it an expression that has they throw out the baby with the bathwater. How's that? It's that throw out the baby with the bathwater, abs or their or their entire decision making process was controlled by sheeple. Yeah, there you go. That could be it. That could be it. <laughs> So, anywho, I need to bring in the plane for a landing, Doug. Please do. We you're you're have, very expert at that. We have uh, used up our time, and we've got just enough fuel to get back to the airport. So, I need to start bringing in <coughs> the plane for a landing. Any of those sounds you hear, don't be concerned about that. That's just the landing gear coming down and the uh, the various things that have to happen in order to have a a happy meeting with the earth again. and uh, But up until that happens, we are going to thank the people. Thank you for joining us. We certainly appreciate it. Without you, we would have no fun. And with you, we have a lot of fun. And I hope we pass out a little information along the way too. So we are going to sign it off. You have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma originally. No more up in the high mountains behind Cave Creek, Arizona now in his fortress of solitude, looking out over the valley with his army surplus binoculars. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>